Welcome back to the Viking Update Show. The question I'll be asking John here shortly is, what was the most important development in Vikings training camp, if any? Uh, of course, the, the saddest development was B.C. Johnson, a really smart, uh, cool young player, ends up injuring his knee. That affects the Vikings' depth. And, of course, his career will get into the roster, the upcoming roster cuts, the quarterback competition, and yes, that's in quotation marks, and everything else. Once again, we do appreciate you listening to TalkNorth.com. You can find the Jeff Diamond Show and all of our other sports content, our outdoor content, our variety content at TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod, and we do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's free. Thanks to our sponsors, Starbank, Starbank.net, and Grainbelt. We'll tell you more about them in a little bit. All right, John, what do you think the most important development of the of training camp has been? You know, Jim, it's it's been very difficult, honestly, when you watch them go through the preseason um, to get a handle on what this team is going to look like. And that has obviously been very calculated by Kevin O'Connell and his staff in terms of who is playing in the preseason and who is not. And and so, you know, when you when you're trying to project this new Vikings offense, this new Vikings defense, and and what the Green Bay Packers are going to see in week one, I'm kind of left scratching my head a little bit. You have to take a bunch of leaps of faith. You have to take a bunch of uh, kind of squint your eyes and, and, and really try to kind of conjure up some sort of images that just that we have not seen. You know, we've seen it in practice. We've seen it in the joint practices and, and things like that. But Really, what they the Vikings did was prioritize health over any kind of familiarity with these new systems. And so I guess the biggest takeaway is that they were able to emerge from this this preseason and this training camp um, relatively unscathed. The BC Johnson injury obviously is a very it's a big bummer, and I think he would have been a contributor to this receiver core, but he's not. Adam Thielen, he's not KJ Osborne, he's not Jetson Jefferson, so he wasn't going to be high on the list. So they were able to get through all without losing a critical player to injury. Um, other than that, I'm, you know, I, I guess you know, just kind of this co- coaching staff really establishing its identity as a work ethic and and connecting with these players and getting it ready. But but from a purely um, familiarity scheme X's and O's standpoint, I, I'm having a hard time drawing any big conclusions after what we saw. Yeah. And I think that's the right viewpoint here. I don't think we really know much about what's going to happen or what hap- that happened in training camp is going to affect the regular season. I think it, everything starts fresh now that the preseason games are out of the way and we can stop pretending they actually matter. Uh, I, I will offer my thoughts here. want to let you know that he's John Krasinski from the athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Uh, Brandon Morton is our longtime producer. We appreciate you listening to the uh, to the network. Check out all the other shows, uh, and you can also once again uh, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. That is the best way to listen. So I think that this is a really talented team without a lot of depth, uh, and I think they have their best depth in the places where it's least important to have the best depth. They have. Uh, Tremendous running back depth that often doesn't come much into play. They had really good wide receiver depth before BC Johnson got hurt. Now Smith Marset is going to have to be a player for them. He's going to have to be a good fourth receiver and a good punt returner. Um, and I think probably the only meaningful development that we saw because there weren't many injuries to starters was the fact that they went out and got a backup quarterback. You know, after 
years of most of us saying, hey, you got to have somebody better than Sean Mannion. They got went out and got somebody who's better than Sean Mannion. Now, we haven't seen him play, but, you know, Nick Mullins, to me, at least gives him a fighting chance if Cousins can't play for a game or two. Yeah, it's a good point, Jim. I mean, they they absolutely had to address it. We were there, you know, for the, for the home game, the home preseason game, and afterward, you could understand and 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 tell in Kevin O'Connell's voice that he just knew the Vikings did not have a capable backup quarterback for if Kirk Cousins were to miss several games in a row, maybe. Kellen Mond or Sean Mannion could stabilize them or just get them through one game. But I think that the feeling internally was that if it was a three or four game absence or more, that this team was going to be in a heck of a lot of trouble just with the way that those two Mannion and Mond were performing um, in camp and then in their uh, a ton of preseason snaps. I mean, without with Cousins not playing, uh, in the in the preseason, they just they got all sorts of time to acquit themselves and to make a um, uh, make a statement that they were ready for this. And neither one of them sh- showed that. So Nick Mullins comes in. He has had experience. He's started games. He is he he feels Keenum like um, in that he is not a guy who is going to overwhelm you. Um, and on the face of making the addition of just saying, oh, yeah, I mean, this guy is going to be for sure 100%. He's going to be great. The Vikings have zero issues if Kirk Cousins goes down. But he has just – he has the experience. He has the the, the skill set and the talent to say, okay, maybe if everything works out the right way that you know this offense will not be completely sunk without him. Now, Keenum obviously stepped in and it turned out really – elevated the offense and and played great and 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 it was a, a wonderful run that he went on but at least with Mullins you know that there is uh competency at that position and 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 I think that that was the glaring hole that you look at on a thin team and I agree with you Jim I think the team is rather thin behind the starters but um it was you know like a not even a waiting pool when you when you talk about their 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 quarterback room. I mean, there's just there was nobody behind Kirk Cousins. So now this allows them to go forward with Mullins and probably to keep Kellen Mond, I'm assuming, as the developmental guy, which is what third quarterbacks should be, and just see if he continues to to progress and 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 turns into someone that you can keep on a roster for a long time. But uh, but that was a smart move by Quasi Odafo-Mensa, go out and get someone who's been in there, who knows what it's like, who can step in in emergency situations and hold down the fort, and I think Nick Mullins can do that. And he's a quarterback from southern Mississippi who hasn't defrauded the state of Mississippi. I think that's a win. <laughs> yeah, that we know of, Jim. Let, that we that know, we know of, of. Let, yet. Let, yes, yet. Yes, yes. This is still, he's still fairly early in his career, so let's not... Let's not uh, set the ceiling on him just yet. He could eventually grow into that. We'll see. That's true. He is upside. No question about <laughs> it. Uh, by the way, you, you bring up Keenum. It, that's such an amazing story. I'm not sure we – It is. I mean, I mean, I think we all appreciate it. We get it. But it, you, it's like the farther we get from the Keenum year, the more remarkable it seems. He was, you know, he was a guy who would play well for two games and then completely implode before this and after this. Uh, couldn't win a starting job in any other circumstances. And this franchise that has spent so much capital on quarterbacks and running backs had its best season 
in recent history with Case Keenum and Jarek McKinnon. It makes no sense. <laughs> it is. It's it, it's incredible. And 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 even Jim, I mean, this is not shedding any real new light, but you remember like that Pittsburgh game when he stepped oh. in right away, you're like there's no chance like this is not working. And and we watched him too in preseason in, um, you know, in, in kind of tune ups and things. And you're looking at it and you're like, gosh, I, I don't see it, man. They, nope. they are, they are in real trouble. Um, if they, if they have to push case Keenum into the mix and then he comes in against Pittsburgh and really plays poorly. And then from then on out, doesn't just turn into a, you know, uh, a game manager uh, or anything like that. I mean, he was a galvanizer and the the attitude, the approach, you know, his ability to execute what they wanted to offensively and probably do even a little bit more and get Mike Zimmer to kind of loosen the reins offensively a little bit and, and get them to um, to the NFC title. I mean, it was it was an incredible story. The Minneapolis miracle, all of it. Um, and, and just a good dude too. Like I really enjoyed Case Keenum. I wrote a big profile on him. That was the, the first year that the athletic kind of came into being here in Minnesota and, um, went over to his house and spent time with him and his wife, just a, a super good dude. But that was one of those out of the blue, where did this come from? Uh, success stories and it and it turned into that that Haley's comment like he has not had anything remotely uh, resembling any of that kind of success in the myriad stops that he's been since this place and I love stories like that for this reason first of all he said he's a good dude let me see him have some success but also listen we all analyze sports in our own way we all use our own metrics our own experiences whatever and nobody has any idea what's going to happen next. We have no idea. And that's the greatest thing about sports is, you know, yes, you should analyze things as rationally as possible while also acknowledging you have no idea what's going to happen today. Exactly. And and I think like especially to, to even zoom out a little bit to our entertainment, um, the way that we they, we entertain ourselves. I mean, the the advent of reality television and how big that has become as it, you know, in our lives and watching it and stuff, you know, I don't do a ton of it, but you, you watch the quote unquote reality television, the bachelor and all those, those, those programs out there. It's still as scripted as oh, God, a, yes. as, as a, as a, you know, a, a, a drama, um, can be. And, but this is like sports is the last truly reality television where it is unscripted. You don't know what's going to happen next. There are surprises around every corner for the good and for the bad. And to see him step into that role and just grab it. And then to see the way that that team gravitated to him, um, it was remarkable. And it, it was just so fun. Like when's the last time a Vikings team has been really fun, like truly fun to watch, fun to kind of be around, fun to 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 absorb. And I think that was the team. I mean, that was they they adopted this this gunslinger attitude from their journeyman quarterback. Um, they played with a carefree kind of nature about them, and it was easy to get into that locker room to to talk to those guys and to just be you know, somewhat intoxicated by it. And just to see the way that, 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 that kind of came out of nowhere and they were surprising themselves as much as they, as, as they were surprising anyone else. And that's the best part about 
you know, following sports and covering it, uh, it, it is those things, those things that you never see coming. And we certainly did not see Case Keenum stepping in and getting legitimate MVP talk and doing all those things um, the way that he did. That was that was pretty awesome. I want to get to uh, roster cuts coming up, the the draft picks and what our gut level reaction to this preseason leads lends to our view of this team of course we'll do be doing much more preview stuff next week as we prepare for the packers opener for now we do want to thank star bank and grain belt big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services i'd like to tell you about star bank star bank is an independent community bank in minnesota they're family owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority you're not a customer number at star bank and they have no call center it's just banking how it should be a throwback to the good days mobile app check convenient services. You got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with the local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. And thanks, of course, to Grain Belt. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered, and at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight-pointers and the 12-ouncers. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited-edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12- and 24-pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. One more note before we move on to other things. I think the previous most fun team in of recent vintage before Case Keenum had that crazy year was 2009, but that was completely different circumstances. We all knew that, you know, Chile and Favre hated each other. There was tension. You never knew if Favre was going to play more than one season. I mean, just the football that season was amazing. Watching Favre operate, what, going to his press conferences, having him and Adrian Peterson in the same backfield, that was fascinating, but that was a completely different animal than the underdog story we saw with Keenum and, and McKinnon and those guys. Hundred percent. I mean, Favre came in and he was like viewed as the missing piece, right? Even as much of a surprise as it was that they eventually did get him and he did come to the team. Um, I think that it was always viewed as they were a quarterback away with all of the star power. Think about all the star power that they had on that team and Peterson and Harvin and Sidney Rice kind of bursting onto the scene, just like just so many great Hutchinson and, and, and so many great players. And you're thinking, okay, now it's time to go with Keenum. It was, you know, what is this team? Like, what can they be? And now that their starter is injured, who is this guy stepping in? Um, you know, we've never really heard of him. Yeah. He's had some stints with the Rams and others and maybe, you know, and he was, he was really good college player, but, but what really is this guy? And then just to see him sort of grab hold of it in a Farvian way, if that's a word, because I mean, you saw the way that Case Keenum played quarterback for that team and, it was somewhat by the seat of his pants. It was extending plays. It was taking chances. It was, um, you know, kind of getting guys to believe in him. And he obviously did not have the arm that Favre had. He did not have the anticipation. He did not have any of the things that 
really make Brett Favre Brett Favre from a just purely quarterback standpoint, but he did have that charisma and he did have those guts. Like Zimmer said, you know, he's got big balls. And, and I think that this crusty old uh, defensive minded head coach came to admire that from this undersized, um, um, you know, relatively unknown backup quarterback. And um, we have seen what Zimmer has done in terms of butting heads with other quarterbacks with who, who had more talent. We saw the chili Favre dynamic and how that didn't always work out. But this was an unlikely sort of relationship that I think did blossom that season. I think that, you know, Zimmer, maybe he kind of gritted his teeth a few times at some of the things that Keenum did, but it did all work out. And I think whether it was begrudgingly or just kind of like, oh my gosh, like this guy, you know, I can, I can play behind this guy. Like I can, this is a guy I can go into battle with, which is the way that Zimmer viewed these games on Sundays. And so, um, yeah, it, it was unexpected in a way that even, even though that Favre at his age, you know, and, and things, could he do what he did? That That's the most remarkable individual season I've ever covered him and the Adrian Peterson coming back and rushing for 2000 yards off of a torn ACL. But, but like that was that was a a quarterback finding his old self um, in an unlikely fashion. With Case Keenum, it was a quarterback that reached a level that he had never really reached, certainly not in the pros, and then before and hasn't reached after in this one just perfect petri dish of an offense for him and for that team. And I think both the Vikings and Case Keenum have probably been chasing that that kind of high ever since. All right, back to current events. Uh, I think another interesting development out of this camp was uh, they draft – they spent their first two draft picks on a safety and a cornerback, obviously trying to upgrade the secondary immediately. Uh, both those guys deal with some injuries. Uh, neither looks like they're ready to start yet, even though, you know, I wouldn't write off either of them. They're both talented guys, but they're not probably not going to be playing huge roles against the, the Packers on opening day. And meanwhile, the third pick, which was very puzzling at the time, looks like he will be a starter. Yeah, Ed, Ed Ingram's had a great camp and, and, a, and a really strong preseason, and he's really kind of positioned himself to be the starter at guard. And so um, so from that aspect, I think that the Vikings got to be very happy with what they've seen from there. Um, I think, Jim, with the other two, uh, you know, yeah, there's been some injuries, especially with Andrew Booth um, a little bit more. But I think in, in some ways, there is a little bit of encouragement to take away if you're working for the Vikings or if you're cheering for them in the fact that I think Cam Dantzler has responded well to the challenge. Um, you know, he is a guy who was sort of on thin ice, maybe not from a real roster spot, but certainly from a role in a, you know, as a starter, as a guy who gets heavy snaps on defense coming into this off season and they bring in Booth, they bring in a Caleb Evans, they, they bring in some other younger pieces to try and challenge it. But but Dantzler has shown up, he's put the work in, and he's at least stabilized things on that corner and will allow Kevin O'Connell, Ed Donatel, and, and, the, and the coaching staff to bring Booth and Evans and the rest of the guys around, along a little bit more gradually that they don't have to force those guys into major roles in week one 
against Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's a good thing for the Vikings. Cam Bynum has played well. Um, Lewis Seen, we'll, we'll see a little bit more. I want to see more from him uh, before I kind of make any declarations one way or the other. I, you know, I think Bynum's played well, but I think Dantzler's been the one who has kind of impressed and shown up enough to say, yeah, it's it's my spot still, and you're going to have to take it from me. And I think that's the best-case scenario for the Vikings right now because they just need as much help on the edges as they can get. And to have Dantzler come through the way that he has through the offseason program, through preseason and training camp, um, I think gives them reason for hope. And um, I, I, I am high on Booth if he can stay healthy. I like what I've seen from Evans. I like what I've seen from some of these other guys. And so it, it seems like they may have a little bit more depth there now with Dantzler playing the way that he is than they ha- than we n- maybe initially would have thought. Next week, we will talk about the Packers. The regular season will probably offer some ridiculous predictions uh, for today. Sitting here today, we're recording this on Monday, two days after the last preseason game, day before cuts. Do you feel more optimistic or less op- optimistic about this team today than maybe you did six weeks ago? Um, I, I don't think it's changed all that much, Jim, for me, because I just haven't seen enough to be swayed one way or the other. Um, I, I came into this training camp with kind of cautious optimism that they could get enough integral improvement from the coaching staff, from the systems, from the schemes to get to a point where they're winning double-digit games, you know, 10 games, maybe 11 if things kind of fell right in. But they felt like a team that was in that 9 or 10 win range um, as it stood. Now, we have not seen Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook and Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. We haven't seen any of these guys play when real bullets are flying yet and so all of the um all of the 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 projection that it takes to to feel either really good about where they're going or really poorly and just say wow these guys did not look good at all um i i'm I'm not there yet so i think weeks one through three are going to be you know, real personal discovery for me about where this team can go. I just don't know um, that that I have enough information to make any any big swings in my expectations just yet. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I, I think I've picked the Vikings to win ten or eleven games every year since 2015. <laughs> I and think that's I, right too. It might I think be I'm generally wrong, wrong, but 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 that probably just is the average. You know, I mean, I, I just think I, every year I think talented roster. Uh, don't quite trust the quarterback and the defense has to stay healthy. I mean, I could say that every single year. I'm probably going to be saying it again this year, but I, I really think, you know, and again, we'll get more into details next week. I think the schedule sets up pretty well. I mean, opening mm-hmm. against the Packers is probably not, not ideal, but getting to play the Saints in London, uh, getting to play some inexperienced or not great quarterbacks, having a couple soft spots in your schedule where you might get healthy. Uh, I, I think things set up well for them. I just don't have any idea what this I, – I know what the offense should look like. I don't know what it's actually going to look like when they have to start actually play, calling plays and deciding who gets the ball in what situations. Yeah, and and like by and large, this team has been an – 
uh, nine and seven, 10 and six, 11 and five franchise for 15 years. Um, that's just what they are. Now they'll have the, the one 13 and three flash, the 15 and one flash here and there where they, they kind of come up and maybe this is the year that that happens again. But, um, I don't think that either one of us are unrealistic or, or kind of, um, or even, or Debbie Downers for just saying, well, this feels like a, a nine and eight team. It feels like a 10 and seven team. That's what this team's DNA has been forever. And one of the reasons that they are in the situation they are with quarterback is they have never had the bottom out season or rarely had it, uh, the bottom out season where they can go get a super high draft pick quarterback and, and, and develop them that way. And they have enough talent. That's the thing, Jim, is there is a lot of talent on this team, both sides of the ball, especially if Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith are going to play as well as everyone says they have been looking in practice. You talk to coaches about and, and to teammates about what they have seen in practice and how they kind of try to draw optimism for the season ahead. And so much of it has been on, well, Hunter and Smith are unguardable. Like they're, they're unblockable. Like we just can't, there's nothing that you can do with them. And so if those guys are truly that dominant again, I really think that changes where they could go. Maybe they, they can push this team to, to 12 wins or something like that. Um, if, 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 if that really does happen, the problem is we just have not seen it. And certainly for a 17 game season, we don't know how sustainable that is. How sustainable is Dalvin cook? How sustainable, you know, are, are some of the other Eric Kendricks and some of the guys who have dealt with, with injuries before. Um, but they, they do have enough talent to really mount a season and be competitive and be contenders in the NFC North and all of those things. But, uh, you watch the way the offense looked in preseason and I don't, say how you you look at that and you say oh yeah like they have solved all their issues like this is going to be no problem and once you get the starts in there they're going to take off maybe that will be the case but we did not see enough good things from that 0-3 preseason from the backups running this system to say that this is going to be a, a, a huge huge jump I mean maybe Justin Jefferson and Cousins will be Cooper Cup and Stafford reborn, um, but there's just there's just no way to know that until we see them on the field against good defenses, against teams that are tackling and flying at them, and that's going to be here sooner than later. So I did bury the lead. I do have an interesting observation to make, and I probably should have led the show with it, but we had other things to get to. Uh, hey, I will reintroduce uh, our producer, Brandon Morton, our sponsors, Starbank.net and Green, Green Belt. Thanks again for listening to TalkNorth.com. And check out Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider with the uh, former Vikings general manager. So really interesting scene last week, uh, their last practice before the preseason game. They held a, a, a scrimmage in TCO Stadium, and Cousins had one of the worst days I've ever seen him have, period. They just picking pass off after pass off. Uh, they made him look. The defense made him look really bad. They was they looked like uh, an interception drill. I mean, they were just setting up their blocking schemes. Okay, who's going to intercept it and who's going to block for the guys? He runs it back. Um, now that probably doesn't, that might not matter, but that's what happened. But what I, one really interesting moment here, John, and I'm I'm maybe reading too much into it, but you know, everybody can make of it what they like. Cousins 
threw a pass to the end zone and went incomplete. And he started gesturing at Justin Jefferson, like, hey, you know, no, you got to run this route or you should have done this better. And Jefferson put his hands on his hips. and wa- It was like a third down play. Started walking back to the, the sideline. By the time Jefferson got to the bench, Cousins had decided, you know what? Nope, that was my fault. Started patting himself on the chest, went over and slapped hands with Jefferson. Like, okay, not your fault. I was wrong. It's my fault. I really, again, might be reading into it, but the way I saw it in in live real time was Cousins going, okay, I just I just ripped on this franchise's number one star, best young player, maybe best overall player, and he's going to be here a while. I'm a lame duck quarterback. Maybe I shouldn't get into it with him. It's a great observation. Yeah, I mean, is are you extrapolating too much or, or not enough? That, that I'm not sure, but I do think one thing that has become incredibly apparent is that Justin Jefferson has sort of elevated himself to another plane um, in this organization. Uh, with the production that he's had, with the way that he carries himself, with the unbelievable training camp that he's had and preseason. He hasn't played at all in the preseason, but you watch him in practices, and it is a no-doubter that um, that this, this guy has put in the work and he is ready to go. And so I think in that way, he has kind of established himself as elite at the position and so he is kind of starting to garner like the respect and and command the room or the team or the field in the way that he hadn't in his first two years as he was just kind of making his his presence felt and 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 climbing the ladder a little bit but now everyone looks at him and says this guy is a star and there are questions about Kirk Cousins that way. There are questions about Dalvin Cook in terms of his health and if he can be be that way for a full season or not. But there are no questions about Justin Jefferson. And I think that he's starting to kind of throw his weight around a little bit the way that stars do. And I think that's probably a good thing for this team. No doubt about it. We'll get more into that dynamic next week. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Thanks for listening to the Viking Update show. Check out the website for all the other sports, outdoor, and variety content, and we'll talk to you next week.